0: Welcome to the Malouli Asset Management Podcast. This is episode 217. Uh, I am uh, Tom Malouli, and I'm here with... It's Tim Malouli this week, not Brendan. Brendan's out, so I'll be filling in. So episode 217 takes us through central Illinois. Right. 217 is the area code for places like Springfield, not the one from the Simpsons, Uh, Springfield, uh, Champaign-Urbana, and that middle part of Illinois, as you're driving from Chicago to St. Louis.
1: Is that near uh, Aurora, where Wayne's World takes place? (laughs) Party on Wayne. (laughs) Yeah, I've been following along with the um, area codes while I was editing all of these podcasts over the last couple weeks, so learning them slowly as we go along.
0: (laughs) Our next uh, episode will be going to northern Minnesota with episode 218 good to know 219, will' be back into Northwest Indiana <laughs> uh, not far from Chicago near Gary Indiana and yeah. some of the other uh, some of the other towns in the northwest corner of Indiana but I'll have to look and see uh, 220 is the um, area code for Bangladesh or some mm. place outside the United States interesting uh, we've had some Changes announced in some indices, a couple of names that uh, we, will, most people will recognize.
1: Right, yeah. It was recently announced that GE was going to be removed from the Dow. For people that have been in the market for a long time, that might seem like... Heresy. He, right. Yeah. Like, oh my God, GE's coming out of the Dow? What's happening? It's but, only been in the Dow for 111 years. Right. Right. You look at it recently and it's it's just gone down. I think it, what, it's at like 12 or $13 now.
0: Right. So yeah. isn't it interesting that these companies get dropped from the Dow Jones and the S&P when their stock is down? There's a pretty good, I, I guess we can call it an internet meme, but one of these uh, things that happens with the stock market where... Uh, companies that get bounced from the Dow Jones tend to have a better year after they're dropped from the Dow than the company actually going in. When Apple went into the Dow, it was terrible. When in uh, 2013, I think it, the, the, Apple was down like 25 or 30%.
1: The first thing that came to my mind has nothing to do with stocks, but Matt Harvey came to mind. <laughs> you know? Sure. Once he gets out of the spotlight and goes to Cincinnati, everyone thought he would perform better. Turns out he hasn't, but you know, kinda the same thing when you get put in the spotlight of New York, like people thought Giancarlo Stanton was slumping. He can't handle the pressure and these stocks can't handle the pressure or something of being in the in the dab. Not really the case, but
0: they said the same thing about Jay Bruce when he was traded to the Red uh from the Reds to the Mets a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. He came in in August and September he was terrible. Yeah. And last year he was terrific. He had 27 home runs when they traded him at the, you know, at the trading deadline. Yeah. So yeah, GE mm-hmm. is moving out of the Dow. I just think it's hilarious that we tell our clients all the time that we want to be buying low and selling high, and yet all of these indices are selling at the bottom. Right. It makes absolutely no sense to me. Right. But you know, being around the market since the mid-'80s, I've seen almost a complete turnover in the Dow Jones. I'm going to have to go back and go through the list and see who's still there. I think IBM is still there. Coca-Cola is still there. Uh, 3M is still there. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones because I I know just while I've been in the business, uh, oh Boeing has been there all along. Uh, United Healthcare was added, Goldman Sachs was added, Home Depot was added, Apple, McDonald's was added, Cisco was added. I'm having a hard time coming up with the originals. The originals that are still there after 30 something years. Right. Be an interesting walk down memory lane. But here's the the thing. Without giving it away, what's the couple of names you would think of that would be okay? So, what's a a growing stock that's going to replace GE in the Dow Jones?
1: I would think of you know huge stocks off the top of my mind like Amazon, Netflix, some of these other technology stocks, Facebook. Sure. Um, So naturally, those are the first that just pop in my head. But
0: so of course it's a layup (laughs) then that Walgreens. Of course, gets selected to move into the Dow Jones and Walgreens. Great stock through the '80s and '90s, and the the this new century. Their symbol for a long time was WAG, and uh, great, great story. Just growing like a weed early on. Now the symbol is WBA because recently they merged with a company in the UK, Boots. And now it's called Walgreens Boots Alliance, WBA. So kind of like the, I was going to say WNBA, but right. uh, World Boxing Association. The bowling
1: something. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Walgreens is in there. You know, the first thought when I heard of Walgreens is why didn't they think about CVS?
1: Or how did they how did they land on Walgreens? Right. Was, was something that crossed my mind as well. And, you know, we were talking before about how the Dow is... Price weighted, GE was thirteen dollars. One of the cheapest stocks in the Dow. Walgreens coming in is going to be the eighth from the bottom in terms of uh, price. Right. So, how much of an effect is it really going to have on the index itself?
0: Uh, It may not have much at all. So, I don't think the Dow is even going to have a wiggle when GE gets dropped. What Tim is referring to is, unlike other indices, the Dow Jones is a price-weighted average. What that means is, the highest-priced names in the index really swing the boat around from side to side. So, highest-priced stock in the Dow, Boeing, three hundred and thirty-something dollars a share. United Healthcare, two hundred and fifty-something dollars a share. Uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, $220 or around there. Uh, even Home Depot is $200 a share.
1: So when those stocks move up and down, you feel it a lot more than when GE at $13 moves around.
0: Absolutely. And so let's take a look at some of these companies. Remember, it's the Dow Jones Industrial Average, but I don't really put McDonald's in there as an industrial stock. Right. You know, I, I don't put...
1: Pfizer in there as an industrial stock. There aren't many real industrial names left in, in the index?
0: You think about some of the companies that were in there, you know, they, these were steel companies, oil companies, railroads. You, you don't see them anymore. So you look at these names and say, okay, so now we're going to have uh, Walgreens moving in. Now, Walgreens, most people know them as a drugstore, like CVS. But both of those companies are now getting into um, pharmacy management. So if you have someone who needs to get uh, prescriptions sent to them on a regular basis, uh, they handle all of that stuff. They'll take over the pharmacy benefit management for some huge companies. And it's a big revenue stream. It's not an industrial company whatsoever. Right. But, and yet it's replacing an industrial company, maybe yeah. the... Time to change the
1: name or something yeah. to, of, of the index. The Dow, Dow, Jones. Dow Jones Average. <laughs> yeah. You know, just take out the word industrial.
0: So this is the thing, and Tim, you were alluding to this. So when the market is up or down a couple of hundred points, uh, we get some calls from, from folks. Right.
1: People, and, you know, just realizing this about the Dow Jones kind of makes me scratch my head when people call in and say oh, I saw the the market was up 300 or 400 points today. It's like, well, the Dow Jones was up 300 or 400 points today. And those, as we were just talking about, are only 30 companies out of hundreds of companies out there that are publicly traded. So it just makes me wonder what the infatuation with the Dow Jones itself is and why people use that as the yardstick and that as the measurement for, oh, the market was up this many points today. I bet I made a lot of money. And they go check their accounts, and they didn't. And then they're like, what's wrong? We must be doing something wrong. We must
0: be doing something wrong. So what I explain to clients a lot of times is, yes, that's right. We don't own those 30 stocks, and we don't own them in the same proportion either. Right. Uh, You and I both listen to Animal Spirits uh, podcast from our friends over at Ritholtz. Mm -hmm. Um, They... uh, responded to a letter or a comment that they received. Someone had, uh, their father had several thousand shares of GE. The letter was written maybe six or eight months ago. You know, what do we do with this stock? It's a gigantic portion of my parents' net worth. And some of the comments that they received were people were saying, well, you know, you're gonna be getting thousands of dollars every quarter in a dividend. Then they cut the dividend. Right. Then the stock continued to drop. Right. I mean, when that message was posted online, I think it was a Reddit thread. Yep. Uh, the stock GE was trading in the 30s. Uh, the stock's 12 or $13 now. What do you do? Right. Jump out a window?
1: Yeah, I don't know. And and even, you know, before they cut the dividend, if your stock is going down that much, the dividend's not really going to make that much difference. Not going to help you, you know? out. You're not even going to break even on the losses there. Yeah.
0: We've seen a couple of articles recently about the uneven recovery in stocks. This was uh, something that you and I both talked about. uh, We saw in the Wall Street Journal recently, and there was an article in particular that talked about how technology stocks have powered most of the recovery in the market. I know you had said, Tim, that it's going to be interesting to watch people chase these tech names more and more.
1: Yeah, I mean, people are always looking at the news and seeing what's doing well and say, ooh, I want that, or ooh, I want this stock. And if technology stocks are the ones that are going up, obviously people are going to want to get in line and file in and uh, get on board with these technology stocks. It's interesting to hear people call in and ask, can we own this tech stock or this tech stock? And it says, well, you kind of already do. You own it in these ETFs or in these index funds or you know, large cap, whatever, like, you know, you already own it and you hear them go, Oh, okay. That's nice. (laughs) Right. It's like, it's like,
0: it's not real.
1: Right. To them. If they can't see They don't have the stock certificate in their hand, or yeah, they so don't, to speak.
0: Or they don't see AMZN in their monthly statement. Right. Oh, something's wrong. We should be doing something else. Yeah. You explain to them you own this and in this ETF, and this ETF is ten percent of your account or twenty percent of your account. You right. own it already. Right. We're only going to get now more overlap. In fact, there may be situations where you already have built-in overlap because you have a technology fund, an internet fund, uh, and a large and a growth fund. Right. They all have the same positions.
1: Right. Yeah, it's hard for people to to understand that, and it's also hard for people to understand. Well, think about how how happy and 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 enthusiastic you are about wanting this stock while it's going up. Think about how much you're gonna not want it when it's going down, right. because some of these huge tech stocks, as We've talked about, and people have written about, have had huge drawdowns along the way. Right. Uh, that's one of the one of the hardest parts about owning individual stocks. So it's great on the way up, um, but murder on the way down. Right. So owning it within the ETFs that they already have is most likely the most appropriate way for them to to get exposure to those stocks, even if it's not as entertaining, I guess, as seeing the ticker symbol in your in your account.
0: The other thing that that um, I, I don't want to be um, talking down in any way, but it seems like we get a lot of uh, emails and calls from people who say, when this market goes down, dot, 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 Right. You know, I want to get defensive. I want to get out. I want to change it up. I want to do things. And very interesting, I was listening to Barry Ritholtz, interview Ed Yardeni, mm-hmm. uh, the economist and market strategist and he raised an interesting point he said you know we may not have one recession where everything stops working altogether we may be going through a period where we have rolling recessions and that's important so what he highlighted was uh you know, from mid 2014 through the middle of 2016, we saw energy stocks get crushed. Right. I mean, you look at what oil did in that time period; it went from over 100 to the 30s. Um, we saw a lot of energy companies and commodity-related companies get destroyed in that year and a half two year period same
1: thing happened with with
0: biotech in 2016 correct we saw the air come out of the tires in a big way in that entire group and then uh we've seen how the retailers and commercial real estate companies and the REITs Uh, that are tied to them also have some really tough times. Some of these investments are down a large percentage. So we're starting to see some of these areas get hit one by one. It kind of reminds me of what happened in 1994 when the Fed, it seemed to be a big surprise, February of 1994, the Fed started raising interest rates and they raised them throughout the year. The market never really took a big whack. Right. But we saw one sector after another get knocked down 20% or more and then recover. And so 1994 was a flat year in the market. And uh, every sector had their time taken out back and getting shot.
1: It kind of makes me wish that we didn't use the term the market.
0: Well, this ties in with what you were just talking about right. with you know watching the Dow go up 200 or 300 points. Wow, we probably made some money right. today.
1: It's like well the market was flat and and or the market is up 20% but you know you don't you don't log into your account and just see the words the market and plus 20%. You know you own different funds that might cover broad range of areas of the market but you don't just own the market. So if you don't own the funds that are going up or you own the funds like biotech in 2016 uh, or oil and energy in 2014 that were going down, your reality is going to be much different than what is going on in the quote-unquote market, the market. Sure.
0: or international stocks last year, Right. small cap this year. It, it, they all yeah. take turns. They yeah. all take turns doing this. And so even something like the S&P 500, which most people refer to as the market right. nowadays, that's 500 of the largest companies now right so that's a large cap index right so if you
1: own mid cap stocks or small cap stocks that you're gonna have a different yardstick right that doesn't apply to you yeah so it's just you know important to understand what you own i guess is is the moral of the story there so Um, i mentioned uh just a
0: few moments ago about how um in 1994 the fed was raising rates and uh we saw what that did to the market You pointed something out to me that you saw on CNBC that you really disliked. Do you want to share it?
1: Yeah, and you know, full disclosure, it turned out to be a "Don't judge a book by its cover" type of thing. But the headline was "How to Play Rising Interest Rates Based Off Your Age," and I saw that headline and I kind of just cringed because that's such a clickbaity headline. And you know, their job is to get them, get people to click on these on these articles, so I get it. But when you actually dug into the article, it was it kind of just broke down based on where you were in your career earlier in your career in the middle um, and towards retirement, how you might want to consider things uh, that are tied to interest rates. But just the headline, and anytime I see the word play right in terms of investing or something it just makes me uh, shake my head what's (laughs)
0: what's the hurricane play right
1: it's it's like a how can i get rich quick off of this like what i don't know
0: so i have and let's stay with that theme for a second how can we play the internet sales tax news so today right before we walked in to record this the supreme court announced that states are now permitted or will be permitted to charge sales tax on internet transactions. Immediately, Amazon, even though it's like a fifteen hundred dollar stock or something like that, stock went down fifteen or sixteen dollars. In normal times that would seem like a lot. Now it's really nothing.
1: I also don't understand maybe my initial reaction to that news is backwards, but I feel like that would be that would be like okay news for Amazon not bad news because they're massive. Yeah. They can afford to pay those taxes. It's going to hurt so many other small websites out there that have that haven't had to pay these sales tax.
0: Absolutely right. So the Amazon A lot of people have been noticing over the last few months, even over the last year, Amazon has been charging sales tax uh, for most jurisdictions. And so their model is already set up. This is not news for them, and they're going to continue to do great. So this is actually really good news. What is going to drive away and really hurt are the smaller businesses. And I think about all these uh, stay-at-home folks that sell on Etsy. Right. Now they have, you know, you're in New York, you have an Etsy website, you sell, I don't know, knit caps or something like that, and someone in Colorado buys your knit cap, you have to now pay and file, the collect the sales tax in Colorado, file a tax return for your business in Colorado. right uh, This became now a logistical nightmare for many small online realtors it'll probably make some of these smaller online real t- retailers think about whether they want to continue doing this. That's only going to strengthen, you know, a Walmart and an Amazon and these other companies that are doing big business online. Yeah, what's the angle with uh, the internet sales tax decision? It uh, seems more like Amazon's <laughs> Yeah, Amazon's going to continue to get more and more good news.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, sometimes in the market, though, even good news can be taken as bad news, I guess, because what we just talked about all sounded like good news for Amazon and like you said the stock went down. Right. So who knows? I guess. Well,
0: I think some of that is the knee jerk reaction. Oh, now they have to charge sales tax without even looking that right. oh, Amazon's already been doing it. Sell the stock. Right. Because the uh, you know it's for for most tech related stocks, it seems sell the headline, read the news later. Right. There was another story uh, and Tim, you may not have seen this, but the Supreme Court is going to hear a case challenging the government's ability to charge securities fraud. Did you see that? It was in, did, the, in the journal the other
1: day. I did see that. Yeah, that was about um, some broker is arguing that he can't be punished for the misleading statements that he disseminated, but never wrote. So his point is that the whoever was in charge of the firm, the firm itself wrote the misleading statements, and he simply just forwarded it or passed it on in an email to clients.
0: Well, that's interesting because most of the stuff that the firm, you know, most FINRA firms, when they give information to the Salesforce, somewhere on that sheet of paper or email or whatever, it says for internal use only.
1: Right. Yeah. And the article went on to say that the guy, uh, the firm and whoever was in charge of the firm agreed to shut down the firm, be barred from the industry, and pay like millions of dollars uh, in fines. So the firm obviously is okay with accepting guilt here, but this broker apparently uh, is is not.
0: And it's going all the way to the Supreme Court.
1: Right. The big takeaway from this is that if they can, if they rule in favor of this broker, then it kind of hinders the SEC's ability to charge individuals with fraud. It we, might
0: we split the hairs <laughs> right. one more time right. It just doesn't make sense yeah not to turn this into a commercial for our firm, but you know it just lends more weight to the story of you know work with people who are going to be a fiduciary. They understand that there's a legal obligation right uh, that with the advice that they're giving to clients. right I think you and I both saw something about the party ending soon. Right, yeah. Uh, so I think we better like call Uber and get our ride
1: home. Yeah. What's that all about? Well, I mean the world was supposed to end back in 2012 too. Oh, I so keep forgetting that. lucky us, we're still here. Um, but the the article says the party may end soon. Economist predicts a recession by 2020. So you know what guys, we've got about a year and a half left. Let's enjoy it. Right. Because and
0: since the market is a discounting mechanism and it tends to look forward by six to 12 months,
1: it's pretty much over.
0: So what inning are we in?
1: Yeah, right. What's the <laughs> Wait, what's the play here? What's the recession play? Right. Um, yeah, I. there's no real accountability, I guess, for these guys to make these claims. So again, another clickbaity headline. You just need to keep that in mind when you're reading these things. Uh, there's no downside for them to make these calls. I think Brendan has said it on a previous podcast. You know, If they're wrong, they're just one of the hundreds of guys who made a wrong call. But if they're right, they're going to say, you know, hey, it's look. a career changer yeah, for Yeah, back in 2018, this right. guy called it. Yep.
0: Yeah. So that's going to wrap up episode 217. We appreciate you listening, and we look forward to you when we visit northern Minnesota in episode 218.